Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of No Choice, Love Yourself. I'm your host Pragya and today I'm here with Nafisa. Nafisa, am I pronouncing your name right? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I like to ask because I can butcher names and how, but today we're here with Nafisa and Nafisa is a one for pure generator with the channel of preservation and struggle and awareness up top. So maybe we'll talk a little bit more about your design eventually, but I think sure. to begin, um, I always kind of like to begin with when did design come into your life? How did you meet it? What your journey has been with it so far? Yeah, we just mm -hmm. that. Yeah, sure. It's a great place to start. Uh, 2018. So I'd been into astrology my whole life. Uh, my mom is Indian. And I don't know if you know, but astrology is a really big thing over there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but my, my uncle's a Vedic astrologer, all this stuff. So it's always been a part of my life um, as far as I can remember. And uh, I moved out to from New York City. I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, and a friend of mine who's a very, very close friend of mine, uh, we kind of went down the Western astrology rabbit hole together and were just really into it. Um, she is a 2-5 mental projector and one day sent me this thing called human design, like some information on it. And she was like, you would love this. And I was like, this looks weird. And I don't know what it's saying. And I was like, Bleh. and then she kept sending it to me and she was like, you will really like it. Just look at it. And so I finally did. She guided me into it. And as soon as I like figured out what it was, I like fell in deep. Um, and it made so much sense for everything that I had been going through. I realized I was living my life all wrong. And um, yeah, just um, there was immediate recognition in there. And then just kept diving deeper, deeper, deeper. Realized all the stuff that about how I was living my life was completely wrong for me. Um, that kind of started to fall apart. And uh, yeah, I just kept going. And then... Let's see. So I was diving deep into it. Uh, my boyfriend, who is also a mental projector, <laughs> bought me the definitive book of human design because he saw me getting really into it. <laughs> so um, sent me, like gave me that. Then I could dive even deeper, et cetera. A bunch of stuff happened. And then, um, yeah, and then in 2020, uh, one, three, man, Testing generator who's on the aerial studio that I um, teach in she like oh I'm starting a business course you should really start a business in human and she said astrology because I, I hadn't talked to her much about human design she's like you should start a business in astrology I'll teach you how and I was like okay yeah it was immediately yes in that moment and so she taught me how to set up that stuff and yeah I started doing readings in 2021 yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, a lot of a lot of mental projectors guiding me into things, bananas. Yeah, <laughs> it's strange, you know, for the people that do have mental projectors in their life, they're like bombarded with mental projectors, and then other people have like no access to any <laughs> projectors. It seems it's like, hmm, what's yeah, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> 
but do <laughs> you have mental projectors in your life other mental projectors yeah and they play like a huge yeah. huge role in my life because you know as a projector it's i learn so much by just watching other people and when i get to see a mental projector be in their process and really witness that it's just it teaches me so much about you know potentially what my process could look like and to experiment with that as well because you know at yeah. first, there's a lot in common with like say your type or like your subtype but eventually I feel like once you get a little bit deeper you kind of realize that your process is actually quite unique like even two mental projectors you put them together and they can be so absolutely different from each other and agree and mm -hmm. disagree on just you know completely different things as well so that's interesting to find I, I'm wondering what was it about you as a generator like when you found out that you you're a generator like did that immediately resonate what about you know the general information that you come across initially like deeply resonated for you yeah, well, at the very first, because some of the first charts that I was looking at was my friend and my boyfriend, I was like, oh, I'm jealous. I'm not a mental projector because they were both mental projectors. So there was definitely that. But then when it was so I felt like I had felt like my whole life I was doing things that I didn't want to do. Um, and I was trying to force myself to do the things that I was told that I should do and work hard at those things. And I had been on those tracks, working hard at the things that weren't right for me. And But I, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be doing the things that I didn't have energy for. And I wasn't supposed to be forcing myself in those directions. And so that those aspects of being a generator were immediate. And then also unconscious fourth line network and friendships and all the things have been the thing, have, have really made my body feel safe. So that completely resonated as well um, Im immediately from the get-go um, and yeah being a generator as just fighting against the things that came naturally to me um, was the was the, the biggest thing at the beginning for me completely yeah Does that makes sense yeah I don't think my throat's on yet <laughs> <laughs> that's fine yeah. um, you know it's an interesting point you bring up. You do have an undefined throat, right? I and do. it can be such, like, I don't know, I've met people on, on both extremes where you have an undefined throat and you find out you have an undefined throat and you're like, that's bullshit, you know, because I love to talk. Like, I love to talk right in center, right? And then you meet people with an undefined throat that are like, this is such a relief. I yeah. can just now really like settle into and just be quiet and just, you know, witness what's happening and take in what's happening. And, you know, at the right time, the words just flow through if they have to, you know, they mm -hmm. don't answer it. Yeah. And so what has your journey been like? What was your reaction to that? And then, you know, how do you... Because, you know, it can be quite tricky, right, with an undefined throat and this this world is just so hell-bent on manifesting things and communicating and, you know, that being such a central part of our lives, it can mm -hmm. be, it can almost feel like, 
wow, like I wish I wish I have that or I wish, you know, I, I could attract more attention consistently, right? And those are the yeah. things that are present in the throat. So what does it look like for you and how have how has it changed like your relationship with your throat as you decondition more and more? That's such a good question. Um well my the earliest conditioning that I can remember is kindergarten at school, the teachers telling my parents, Oh, Nafisa's great, but she, you know, she only speaks when she has something to say. <laughs> she only speaks when she has an answer to the question. So from and my parents are like, oh, well, where, when else is she supposed to speak? It's oh, she's supposed to try thing, try to speak, even when she doesn't have an answer to work through those things, whatever. So I remember from then it was like, oh, if you don't have anything to say, say something anyways. Try try and do that to bring attention to yourself. So um, there was that. And then there was finding out that I had an undefined throat. And I was like, yes, that makes, that was also so freeing. Because I remember experimenting with that when I first found out about it. And when I was in group situations, allowing myself to not say anything until I had something to say and then when I did say something I had feel that pressure come up but if I didn't actually have something to say and I wasn't speaking in response realizing the power my voice actually did have when I did finally have something to say and when I waited that out and I actually waited to respond so um and I there were so many fewer um cringe moments is a way that I think of it there were you know the things that I said were afterwards like oh why did I say that how did I, I didn't mean to say it like that I wish I'd said it like this all that started to dissipate um but there is still there is still that theme I mean we never completely get over the uh, the not self of the undefined center so there is still that theme of sometimes um the the tension of um oh, sometimes I'm recognized for this and that feels really good. And then sometimes I'm not. And so um, the inconsistency of that still is a theme that my, that crops up in my mind, especially when I'm tired or, you know, when I'm uh, not exercising enough for my channel struggle, things like that, uh, that I notice. Yeah. Um, and then I want to talk at some point, I would love to, sorry. <laughs> at some point I would love to hear um, if this, if you're okay, share it, just your um, journey with weightlifting. Yeah. I'd love to. At some point. Yeah. yeah. Should we do that now? I had a few, few thoughts come up as you were talking. So maybe, maybe yeah. those, and then we can talk about my weightlifting, but I think it's interesting yeah. to have the design that you have where you just, you have this head and Ajna definition. So this is a really loud mind that is constantly churning thoughts, right? That is constantly like loud, right? That's what the channel of awareness, yeah. it's so loud, you know, even like I have 61 and whenever I have it defined through the transit, it's so loud up in here, you know, it's just it's a lot going on. And sometimes it's not, it's not even coherent words. It's just sounds busyness like you know like it, it, it that's how it feels for me there's just a lot of pressure and then you yeah. have separated from the rest of your design you know the yeah sacral the spleen and the root and you have a really really defined root and so naturally there's a lot of fuel to move you know a lot of I don't remember exactly what gates there were, but I just remember seeing it like completely lit up. 
right and so there is yeah. tendency to physically move um and i mean which is pretty obvious from all of the things that you post on your instagram you know the aerial and some of the other stuff you post about as well but what is interesting is that all of this energy like from the bottom and the top is trying to reach the throat you know and so <laughs> and on top of that the world is so focused on the throat it's so communication centered right and what you said about you know like not being able to like find a voice and also not have a consistent voice not have a consistent way of communicating and yet having this like pressure sandwich kind of constantly be present in your life it can make you feel like there's something really wrong with me that i can't mm-hmm. in some way translate this or manifest this or you know like really bring it out in a world in a way that it actually like that i actually am able to get the attention that i think that i deserve you know and yeah yeah that's a i mean it's so funny cuz like the throat is like one on ra's list of um the hierarchy of centers it's quite low but from what yeah. i see in the world actually i see it show up in such a big way just because you know manifesting and communicating is such a big deal for the world that we live in so yeah yeah it's 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 definitely so i'm kind of remembering my process from a few years ago now because i feel like i'm in a lot of ways like obviously I have so much work to do work to do um but I do remember like at that time just really noticing that and feeling that and um when when I was first learning about this stuff when I was first diving into it and actually leaning into this stuff um being okay with that because i'm just realizing my thoughts sometimes are just for myself and that pressure is just for myself and especially with learning about innocence motivation because in my younger years there was a lot of ah people need to know us i need to i need to i need to communicate this and then paired with innocence motivation as opposed to you know going into desire transference and pushing that on people and it was just the energy wasn't there it was it was frustrated all the time and so there was so much more um i guess i can say like maybe peace in just having these thoughts and all all the political stuff that's been happening over the past 3 or 4 years whatever all over the world um just being okay with these integrations and thoughts and um and insights that i'm having they're not always for everyone and trusting the timing that if i am waiting to respond they'll come out for the people who need to hear them or the people who are ready for them or whatever it is and really sinking into that has brought me so much peace that it's not something that i um am and am consciously struggling with as much as i used to but i definitely used to but now i just know that waiting to respond for those things has is has clear, like given me so much peace and my relationships are more harmonious and all this stuff um just feels so much better uh when i do do that so it's not even a thing where i'm like at, at this point at least in this current moment it's not a thing where um seeking that outlet but there is there thank you for recognizing that <laughs> there there is a lot of that um pressure with nowhere for it to go and so um that's why i need to lift every single day or do intense exercise every single day which i feel like is a huge thing with people channels of struggle the channel of struggle 
Um, and so that's why I'm really interested in your relationship with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's all of the three channels that go from the root to the spleen are kind of, mm -hmm. they're known as the athletic channels. And I do have 54 three times in my chart. I also yeah. have 38. So I yeah. have a very, very heavy root as well. Mm -hmm. um, even though it doesn't look like a lot of activations, it's like 53 is three times and like 54 is three. It's just, it's heavy. And so, you know, ever since yeah. I, was, I was little, like I've been quite athletic. The caveat to that is not always. You know, I mm -hmm. have yeah. my seasons, you know, as I like to call mm -hmm. it. Like I have months where I just really feel like if I don't move, that I just cannot handle the kind of intensity that I feel in my body. And so, mm -hmm. you know, like growing up, I played sports on and off. I was never one of those people that were on the team to like play it for a long time, but I would play every sport, like yeah thing and you know I I really enjoyed it too there's something to like do with like I also feel kind of natural at playing all of these different sports as well and there's just yeah. there's just such a play that I get into and such a flow that it feels really good but I always awesome. have this this mental idea of wow I'm just like oh if only I was consistent if only yeah. like I could just stick to it I would be so good at this I could even potentially pursue it because I'm literally one of those people that can walk into the gym and in a month I'm like lifting so well and you know yeah. there's something to be said about so that too like like the project projector way of lifting because I was I was talking about this a little mm. bit because you know like earlier whenever I used to play sports or whenever I used to lift weights or dance, you know, any kind of physical activity that I used to do, I used to kind of try to become what I saw around me in a sense, right? And I, I was amplifying so much energy too that I could, you know, I could be mm -hmm. the, like the dancer with the most energy or I could be the tennis player who outlasted everyone else you know or the bad yeah. who did that but now as I grew more oh, in my awareness about my design I think you're kind of hung can you hear me okay we're back we lost Nafisa for a bit <laughs> and now we're back I think I was saying something along the lines of talking about my lifting yes exercise sports <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know so I had a strange relationship with it growing up where I really judged myself for mm -hmm. not being consistent and for not being able to show up and also I had these moments of feeling just extremely exhausted as well like you know yeah really good really well really well pushing myself feeling really good about it mm -hmm. and then just like crashing and shut then, down yeah and then kind of wondering mm -hmm. like what like where did this come from I was okay and everything was going good and so 
you know, my relationship with all of these physical, different physical activities that I engage with was always very on and off, on and off. Mm -hmm. When it was on, like I really, really enjoyed it. And when it was off, I wondered what the hell went wrong. You know, like yeah. why am I suddenly like someone that can't get off the couch? Like why am I yeah. someone that literally cannot move? You know, like the, the difference is so drastic. Like someone who like when I am, when I do have my route defined or, you know, it is a time when either depending on who I'm with or whatever's happening in the transit, I do feel this a lot of energy. And, you know, I'm one of those mental projectors that have like hanging gates like potentials dormant gates in every center so I don't have any yeah. center so you know it's never it's never like I have an isolated experience of just my mental definition ever like I don't remember the last time that I just had that it's never like yeah I always have something yeah. else going on some kind of conditioning I'm receiving so yeah and yeah. it, it was such a drastic like change in when it was on the energy was there I was just doing so much and when it was off it was like I couldn't even recognize myself right I couldn't recognize yeah. that I was in those moments and so yeah. recently uh when I realized I'm a mental projector I don't have any motors you know I kind of got to know about design I Mm -hmm. approached and lifting was one of those things that at this stage in my life just feels so good in my system and I really really enjoy yeah. it it feels really natural and so you know I kind of spoke to my coach about it about my design a little bit and uh, you know how I would like to work on things and how I don't want to push myself in class I do do crossfit yeah. which is like you know, if it's a group class, things can get like mm -hmm. really crazy and you can get very, you can just competitive. Go, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm like 51 son, right? So yeah. <laughs> I can get super competitive, right? But, yeah. And it took me a while to really like feel into like my body as I was working out, like, okay, what is my limit? You know, like, and, you know, we kind of, I kind of worked with my coach and we kind of devised this plan where it's like, okay, like if you're feeling like you can do X amount of whatever, then yeah. why don't we just like never go beyond 50 or 60% of that? How about we just work with that? And yeah. uh, I stopped getting injured. I... And again, I'm still not consistent. I'm still not one of those people that can make it to the gym like all year round. I have my seasons, I have my months, but that's fine. But what I really do find different now is one, like the way that I live, it's not about exhaustion for me anymore. It's not about doing the most. It's not about mm -hmm. being done at the end of the workout, which I notice like that's what a lot of generators would want, right? Like I have energy to offer to this. And after this, like I will feel satisfied when the, like when the energy is exhausted for this task, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really about like perfecting the lifts. It's really about putting in the least amount of effort, but doing the different kinds of lifts in such an efficient way yeah. that I can just making it more. Yeah. Yeah. So, Which is the, the correct way to lift. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like getting the bar up in the 
you know, with the straightest path and with using the least amount of energy almost. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah I think that's so interesting, um, especially since you do have that sun in 51, because that for, for me, it's so much, it, it's a different approach. You're right. I, I do kind of want to be destroyed at the end of it um, and have that satisfaction <laughs> that is a, a driving force for me. At the same time, it gives me energy. And then also for me, it's such a mental health thing. And I know that I, I'm not competitive. I'm so not, I'm completely open heart, open ego center. So it comes from a completely different place. I have zero competitive in me, but I do need someone to tell me what to do. Like I, by myself, I will not do anything. I will not, even though I know it's so important for my mental health and just daily functioning to do this, I have to put myself in situations where I am being motivated externally um, to do it at all because if someone's not not watching me I will do zero push-ups or whatever it is as opposed to but if someone's watching me then and they're monitoring I will do what is required but um, yeah it's, it's so interesting how this stuff and I think the body lifting stuff is such a good example of um, it's it's one of I find it one of the most fascinating examples of how people because it's literal energy work you know, like um, very, very grounded energy work and people come at it from such different places. It does so much for, it does different things for different people. And I think it's a cool example of differentiation and just a vignette into how different we are energetically. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, it is something that <laughs> I notice so much, like even when I'm in class, I'm watching all of these different people and the way that they appear yeah. and what they want out of it is just wildly different and what yeah. I also notice is that the most amount of injuries tend to happen when you know the coach is say for example like you gotta do this like make it happen like you can do it you know whereas and I've worked with coaches like that and I've injured myself in the process whereas yeah <laughs> like, now I mean it's so important to have the right person like mentor mm -hmm. right coach and it's so important to have that communication with them because mm -hmm. I think everything changed like my entire programming changed when I told him like yo this is how I want to do things this is what is important for me like can you shift things yeah. and my coach has a defined ego big fat defined ego and <laughs> around him you know like I told him like yo like I don't want to do any ego lifting and now yeah one who checks me he's like no we're not going to go beyond that like what is your percent yeah. like what is your 60 percent we stick to that and yeah we don't need to push beyond that because that's not the point mm -hmm. the point is that you want to be more efficient and so we're going to work yeah. on that and to work on that it's the littlest of things it's not even about lifting heavy like today I think after months I, I kind of started like came close to hitting some of like my older PRs like close PRs. and I didn't get here because I lifted heavy for the past few weeks I got here because I worked on like really minute things that didn't even involve yeah. a lot of weight lifting that yeah. was and that was the thing that like made me so happy because it's like wow this is what it is about for me it isn't about being exhausted even all the conditioning work that happens you know in CrossFit like it's it can be so hardcore I just chill like half the time I'm yeah yeah people do their shit because I'm like I'm yeah. push like I'm not trying to like exhaust myself in any way yeah. I'm here 
because I love the skill work. Like I just love yeah. the skill that it takes for you to be that efficient and for you to be mm-hmm. able to time things that well. Like there's something about yeah. it that's just really exciting for me. So yeah. I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> you can clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also I feel like there's this, uh, we're talking about mentors and everything. Our four, fourth lines, because that's so good for us to have that. And then the community aspect of two people who are go to the gym that I go to that I that I've that have, I've been privy to their designs, both four lines. One's a one four, one's a two four. I'm obviously a one four, um, and it's so much about the community aspect and the coaches and so yeah. Yeah, there's just something really. What about that for you too? Yeah, for sure. There's yeah. something really mm-hmm. relaxing about going to the same place meeting the same people at the same time like and you know in a gym it's a really natural environment you just get to like be yourself and you know yeah people and develop a relationship over time you know like nurture a connection with yeah and there's just something so relaxing Mm -hmm. like about that and like really looking out for each other and like yeah. you know cheering each other on like that's my favorite thing like yeah. you know when you are struggling <clears throat> you know even cleaning up your weights and picking them up there are always people like helping you and always people like I think I lost you again oh no okay <laughs> we're back <laughs> yeah. so sorry about that it happens it happens we yeah. all this we're all well aware sometimes I'm like yeah. mid-meeting and I'm like so frustrated and irritated <laughs> and it just wouldn't work but internet is yeah. the internet but I think we were talking about you know the importance of a fourth line being having that community you know, having the opportunity yes. to bond with other people and develop and nurture connections with other people. This is mm-hmm. also one of the reasons I love taking courses and like classes where I like mm-hmm. get to meet other people and also hear from other people because it's just really beneficial for me to hear from different people. There's just something about that that just lands really well for me. And yeah. I just enjoy the opportunity to like make new friends and get to know more more people yeah there are a few things I love I love talking to defined throats in general um but just I sometimes it feels like talking to defined throats you're expressing the thoughts better than I could ever um, express them so there's when you were using the word relaxing like for our fourth line bodies to be in those kinds of communities and have build those networks like that that really um hit me frequent frequency wise uh just yeah it is relaxing it is relaxing to be in those environments um and also as passive mountains people um that there's also that element to it uh and then you were also using another word that just left my mind uh, that also really resonated, but I forgot what that was. So, but <laughs> yeah. that I mean, fourth line element of of being in community, that being relaxing, physically relaxing for our bodies, um, yeah, that, that that hit. And there's just something also about like, like sharing mundane things with people. I I don't know what it is. Maybe it is a fourth line thing, but like 
Yeah. Like every day meeting someone and just kind of noticing little quirks and like, you know, mm-hmm. building like a friendship is something that really develops over time. It's it's a process yeah. of, you know, getting to know each other's quirks, like little things, what makes this person take. And there's just something so special yeah. about being in that process for me. Yeah. Unless of you know where it ends up you know but it just feels really good for my sister yeah. engaged in something like that especially like also is like a, a two four like if there are very few people that get through my barrier like that or very few environments where you know it like I'm very selective about what networks mm-hmm. I kind of expose myself to and open myself up yeah because yeah, there's that inherent selectivity in me. Not everybody gets through the barrier, but once you do, then it's just you're in my play zone. And you know, I'm I'm just my natural, vulnerable self. And yeah. I really enjoy like meeting people in, in like the mundane world and getting to know like what chocolates they like and you know, like what TV yeah. shows they're watching and you know, what random thing happened in their life. There's just something so wonderful about about that for me mm-hmm. yeah and uh, you, you, I remember the word you used the word opportunity so that that frequent that key keynote opportunity um in that what felt like a higher frequency than a lot of people think that oh I don't want to be known as an opportunist but it's opening an opportunity for connection and um giving us yeah, these types of opportunities. And it's interesting here, and you say that as a 2-4, it makes you feel like you can be your natural self. So um, allowing you to be that too, whereas for me, it's so much more, like I feel safe. Like as a one line, I need that solid foundation. I feel safe in the networks that feel good to me. It's 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 like, a ne- it's, a, it's necessary for my survival. So um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool like you know being a fourth yeah. line and there's something that that you brought up is like that word you know some of these words that we use in the English language like they have such a negative connotation to them say for example an opportunist right you know when I heard oh, no. I was like hmm I'm not yeah. <laughs> like that you know because yeah um, but now that I, I think about it yeah, I think fault lines are opportunists and there's nothing wrong about that because it's not like yeah. we're trying to take advantage of of ha- like of someone. We're actually we as fault lines, you would you would watch other fault lines. We nurture relationships in such a deep way. And before mm-hmm. if anything can come out of those relationships, you've given a lot to that relationship. Yeah. Right. And Definitely. so you know, it's 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 not like, in a sense, it's not like you're taking advantage of someone else or or a situation. It's more like you made space for that. You know, you yeah. you that into life. You develop that kind of trust with someone, and yeah, you have that kind of trust with someone that they think that you're the right person for this or that. You know, depending exactly on whatever. You yeah. Want. Yeah, because yeah, I've never I've never met a person or um, actually you can tell me what your observation has been of this, but I've never met a fourth line or really anyone, but some fifth lines. The idea of networking and going to networking events, the only people that I've seen who um, 
the only people that I've observed that I've had that I've been privy to their designs who are who will go into a networking event and feel comfortable and like that's something that they want to pursue are those fifth lines who are um but but for for us as fourth lines I, I feel like that that energy of going to a networking event or going with the energy of needing to network is uncomfortable um, because for us there isn't that solid foundation but fifth lines it seems like um, the ones that I've observed are more comfortable with that because they're like oh yeah I'm here to bolster my reputation or I'm here for this purpose um, yeah that's something I've noticed what yeah. about you yes no same I agree like I asked the fourth line if they want to go for like a networking it's the ickiest like feeling something about that that's not at least for me it's not natural like I mm -hmm. not want to do that at all and I do have a lot of fifth lines in my life and they they're way more open to being out there in these events because you know one they get projected on so there's that mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. sense of like Ooh, I'm attractive. I'm seductive. You know, like that's yeah. about me that people really notice, and you know, and obviously they get the chance to be a savior in some sense, bring something practical mm -hmm. to the table if they do have something to offer in that way. But you know, it, fifth lines to me as well, from my experience and from what I've seen, are way more out there than fourth lines. Fourth lines, yeah. are, from my experience fourth lines are the ones that are just quietly you know just nurturing connection doing their thing like for example um I don't know if you know Mar uh genius to freak on Instagram um, oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. they're, they're another mental projector and they're actually one of my closest friends and we mm -hmm. ended up meeting in a human design collective class and it's been I don't know, a year, over a year or something like that, we naturally like build our friendship and now very naturally, and they're also a two, four. So mm -hmm. it's naturally evolving into us potentially doing some kind of work with each other. And it's like, whoa, like neither of us saw this coming. Neither of us planned for this. Like none of us like yeah. mentally strategize like I'm going to build friendship and trust here. And, you know, then it's going to turn into this and then it's going to. No, we were just, yeah. biting, you know, we were just straight up yeah. <laughs> like getting to know each other, really enjoying each other's minds and each other's uh, company and one thing led to another and here we are you know so yeah we fort lines get such a bad rep <laughs> yeah, I know. definitely yeah and one of my favorite things about design and living this stuff is that if we try to bring in that energy of oh I'm gonna go to this networking event I'm gonna force this and I'm gonna get something out of this relationship and I'm gonna force this friendship so that I can get something out of it it doesn't work so even if we try that's the, the beauty of the system it's because obviously we go through periods of questioning um you know especially with mental definition or just being people uh, dealing with something that's quite esoteric for and not normal for sure um we go through periods of questioning it but the thing I keep coming back to is that okay I can try to do these things differently and I can try to live against what this is saying um, but it doesn't work. I inevitably get frustrated, inevitably. Um, and 
it doesn't feel natural. And um, so, yeah, it's just one of my favorite things because even if we tried to do that, it wouldn't work. It just we it just wouldn't happen. And so that's the the all the evidence that I keep. I, I just keep seeing that evidence come up in my own life, like and, and the lives of people around me, where it's okay. I can try to do it differently and do it the way that I'm supposed to. I can try to initiate. I can try to um, try to get attention or whatever it is. Um, I can try to force myself to be motivated. Um, and it just doesn't work. I can't. I can try to stick to consistent identity and be the same person, but it just it doesn't doesn't work. I can't. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's just a way of like I don't know if proof is the right word, but it just has a way mm -hmm. of validating itself to you over time. Like even if you do, you know, go through phases of is this all bullshit? And I'm definitely right now yeah. in those phases. And I saw that. I saw your, I would love to hear a bit about that, where you are, where you are with that, like in this present moment. Yeah. Like right now. Yeah. yeah. I do have to say that I don't think that I have certainty right now. So mm -hmm. whatever I do say, I mean, it's still in process and I'm still... Mm -hmm. I'm still processing it. I'm still trying to find like what is really true for me in all of this. And, you know, one mm -hmm. of the things that really got me into this questioning um, phase of mine, and I think it's a very natural process of deconditioning, by the way, from, from the perspective that I have now. Where, and I see it as really important and really like, essential for you to have these times when you actually look at human design from a skeptical point of view yeah um because you know initially when you do come across human design and a lot of us are seekers in our own ways you know like we may not be looking for the answer but anybody that comes to design like is looking for some kind of answers like trying to figure out like what's going on in my life right yeah. so that that naturally tends to put you in kind of a vulnerable place, right? Because you're just open to getting answers from the outside world. And so yeah. when, when you do come into design from what I've seen and from my own experience, it's really, it really has a lot of details, a lot of logic. It's visual, it's auditory, like it really <laughs> captures you, you know? And it yeah. just has so many things to offer that initially you can be completely enamored and like just you can just think of this as the answer you know you can just yeah. think knowledge is something that that is all that you need you know that now you understand everything now you understand yourself you have a way of understanding others you have a way of understanding the world around you how we all work together now you know you know like now life is going to be good and lo and behold you're still you and your mind is still mm -hmm. your mind and you're yeah. still human process and so mm -hmm. you know eventually you kind of exit this honeymoon phase with human design Definitely. my friends like to say <laughs> it's like oh it seems like our honeymoon phase is over you know because initially it's all like design says this and actually you know it's I don't exactly know how to explain it yet but there is something to design there is truth to it right there is 
because you you just see it in in such a clear way and then you get into your experiment and you start experimenting and it just keeps yeah. itself to you right but also potentially there could be some mental bias there you know yeah you're seeing what you yeah. want to see right mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that either you know you know we're all human beings and we're all trying to make sense of the life that we have we're all trying to make sense of our existence and we're all trying to like find a story that really works for us you know yeah it's that works for us a, a way of making sense of the world that works for us it doesn't yeah. matter right or wrong we'll never know you know if yeah. it's the truth or not so we're we're all looking for that but in that process when you're really vulnerable when you're feeling really lost and you're feeling like yeah i i don't know where i belong and who i am and something like this comes into your life you can just really give all of your authority to the system whereas mm-hmm. what the system is really trying to teach is that you're your own authority right exactly it's- yeah and what i also am coming to for myself is one just really taking a step back and asking myself like what is true for me like what can i say for sure that i have seen over and over and over again what mm-hmm. can i say that i know this with like i understand this with certainty right what mm-hmm. is something that i have verified over and over again some of the things that mm-hmm. are very obvious to me i mean my projector aura it is focused and absorbing i have mm-hmm. no uncertainty about that right i <laughs> am very clear that when i try to insert myself into situations where people have not asked for my opinion it's just it's just awful for me right i'm certain of that what i'm also certain of is center mechanics like i know that i'm not really that emotional by myself but if i enter my emotional dad's room like within 5 minutes i start i start feeling things you know like i cannot <laughs> deny that that happens over and over and i can i can feel that ego you know i can just this so some of the things that i've been able to verify for myself are center mechanics aura this is mm-hmm. what i do know for sure i do understand for sure i also have witnessed a lot of like you know impact of say for example i have a landscape body where both mountains passive it don't mm-hmm. do well in cities like hardscapes are <laughs> actually really really difficult for me and it, yeah. i feel extremely tense in those environments i cannot deny that i cannot deny that when i eat at night i can digest it better like i'm definitely nocturnal you know so there are so many things that i've been able to verify for myself and yet mm-hmm. there is immense knowledge in the system that is not verifiable that that i'm now starting to get very cautious about presenting as fact you know like there's yeah. this there's this uh sense that you have that if all of this is true and if i've been able to verify this for myself then everything like all of it must be true you know that i can mm-hmm. i can trust all of it which i'm yeah. not starting to be like i don't know about that and i also don't know yeah. enforcing the system from like top to down in that approach it's like it's an experiment you know and the most valuable reframe that i've had for myself is everything that design offers you are just signposts 
you know it's not a bunch of rules yes mechanics make logical sense yes there are certain things that could potentially be absolute sure you know but but what's really important is that you don't try to enforce it like that because then it starts to become a prison cell then it starts mm. to become a cage i'm a mental projector with no motors i can't work out i don't have energy you know no yeah it, that's it, not it true it starts to get that way right i'm a projector yeah. so you know i don't have energy or i'm a generator so i'm supposed to be very high energy all the time it doesn't work like that right yeah there are not mm-hmm. a bunch of rules human design at most is a bunch of signposts that you get to test out for yourself and you get to give them the meaning that you want to give them like what my bit what bitterness feels like me and what frequency that has is very very different from so many of the other projectors that i've spoken to right mm-hmm. and Definitely. i mean each one of us is here to play with it and give it our own meaning and like really see for ourselves what we want to hold for ourselves as signposts and of mm-hmm. course it can evolve too right and what we want to sort of just let go a little bit and also i just it's just really important for me that at some point of time you just stop studying this shit and you just go out there and you just live your life yeah mm-hmm. you just you just see what happens you know if you've absorbed so much of this information like right now i'm at that point where i'm like i don't give a shit like <laughs> going to go out there live my life and yeah it's i can't help but see it you know yeah the beauty of it that is the beauty of it like that i love yeah yeah, yeah definitely is um so is the process that i was just witnessing right now you know is that so yes i have so many mental projectors in my life i do not understand your authority so i would love to hear a little bit about your experience of your authority like even going like this questioning and we all go through that i've been through that of course but is this part of you going through like filtering out the system through your authority and I would love to hear your experience with, with that and what it feels like in your body and all of that, if you want to share. So it's it's really interesting, you know, with the mental projector authority because yeah, so, mental- yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't. It, it's something that I can never really. I can say what I've heard. I can say what I've heard. Of course, we can say that about all authorities, but mental projector authority in particular. That's I, I just say what I've heard, and then like. Is that what it's like for you? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, it's the hardest one to like put into words in a little bow with a, with a little bow at the top. Sorry, go on. Yeah. I mean, the best yeah. that I would describe it is process-based authority or mm-hmm. indirect authority or even outer authority. And I keep going back and forth in, in terms of <laughs> what I want to actually name it and mm-hmm. how I want to conceptualize it because it is one of those things that's, difficult to understand unless you're a mental projector right and even yeah. projector it is initially difficult to understand <laughs> right because there's so many like different kinds i mean there are three different kinds of mental projectors you know you have the ones with all all the head and the ajna and throat defined and then the ones with mm-hmm. the ajna defined and then the ajna and the throat right 
yeah. I feel like the process of all of them could also be slightly different. Um, Very much so. I would speak for myself as, some, as a mental projector with Ajna and throat definition. I do have consistent access to my throat, right? And so mm-hmm. something about being able to hear my voice talk about a certain topic, an invitation, explore that fully, mm-hmm. really brings me in touch with myself. And again, when I am soundboarding, when I'm talking about a decision that I'm trying to make, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's it can be a very quick process or it can be a very long process that I have to go through with different people. And the way that yeah. I recognize that I have my clarity, I mean, there are a bunch of signposts, but the the most embodied, like the body sensations that I can describe is, it just feels like what I'm saying lands. Yeah. It just feels like, you know, there's a certain frequency that I've started to recognize that it's just mind, 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 you know, like that's just like talking like on the surface. And then eventually mm-hmm. at, at a certain point as I'm processing things, it just goes deeper and it just, it sits in my body and it fits in my body. It almost feels like my words have space in my body. It doesn't feel like my words are trying to like break open my body or it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, you know, they don't, they, they don't have space here, you know, in my system. And that can be also really, really confusing for people, right? But it is something for you to kind of go through. I mean, at this stage in my life, even my friends recognize my mental voice and my friends recognize that 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 deep place of, okay, this is it. This is landing, right? It feels like mm-hmm. it's landing. Because even the pitch changes, the tone changes. I mean, there's so many things you can begin to notice. And this is all, this is, I'm just talking about body cues. If we're yeah. to look at, some human design signposts. I mean, when it's really right for me, I, I, it's very obvious that I'm very active. I'm very involved. I'm taking responsibility, right? Because I have mm. motivation. And um, whenever I'm just kind of taking a step back, more passive, more, we'll just see how it unfolds or kind of sounding hopeful you know listening listening out for that that's then yeah. you to listen to like oh transferred here you know maybe yeah. this invitation isn't really isn't really for me to be responsible for right because that's how I feel like when I'm really making a correct decision for myself it just feels like I have a lot of agency it feels like I really want to take responsibility for this. I really want to do something about this. I really want to shift this. I really want to add something here or change something here. You know, it's really active for me. Mm. Uh, another signpost for me would also be, you know, in terms of view, right? So I do have wanting view and I know you do as well. And it's so obvious to me when I'm looking at survival. Like, it's just, I cannot... I cannot miss that anymore. Even more than according to hope, I'm almost always distracted by survival. Almost always. Incorrect. Mm -hmm. It's it's about, you know, it's not about like, like I like to call this like wanting view, like elevated shit. You know, like when I'm really looking at what I'm here to look at, it feels like it's not the most important thing. 
but it's uh-huh. it's what I want. Like if everything, yeah. if the bases were sorted, like if the foundation was there, what could the world be like? What do I, you know, it's it's elevated in a sense. And so when I'm talking about something and it feels like I just have to worry about like all of the basics, because mm-hmm. I know that, okay, this actually doesn't sound like me or it doesn't sound like a good opportunity for me it doesn't sound like the right call for me sometimes cognition shows up really clearly as well like I have inner vision and I mean I can close my eyes and the images burst you know it just it just and again (laughs) there's that sense of my body feels open when I'm when I'm having these visions versus like there's that feeling of being closed and my body not being receptive to those images or those visions right so I mean Mm. there there are so many signposts you can even think about like as I'm processing the invitation I talk about like what is this invitation asking of me you know because I do have some logical understanding to offer I'm quite opinionated you know do I feel like that's what's being recognized and invited so there are a lot of yeah. human design signposts that are helpful. And then there's also how it feels for me in my body, what my voice sounds like. At a certain point, like even more than the human design signposts, at a certain point, I recognize there's this frequency to my voice where it's like, okay, now I don't need to talk about it anymore. Like it's done. Yeah. I don't need to talk to you or anyone else. Like I know this is it it's clear it's happening yeah. and I'm going for it or ah this I'm out like yeah you know the the mental projector authority from how I see it is a process of gathering evidence either for being involved in this or not being involved in this right so it's just yeah. sometimes it even takes me like kind of half saying yes and experiencing the environment or experiencing the person or whatever it is a little bit to then decide okay actually no this is not right or I want to keep going further right so there's this there's the process of just dipping your toe a little bit and like going a little bit closer to it and at some point of time you either want to keep going deeper or you're out and again throughout this process you're talking, talking, talking to yeah. you know, whoever you feel comfortable speaking to. So that's kind of, yeah. I would, is that helpful? Yeah, that is. It, it's also interesting because as a sacral person or maybe who's someone who's splenic or even a self-projected projector or any of the other authorities, they're especially at the beginning of human design, so many people say, and Ra said, you know, strategy and authority, strategy and authority. But it seems like for the mental projector, it is so important actually for you to understand so many more of the signposts. Like you go into view, you went into motivation, going into that substructure. It's almost more important for the mental projector to dive even further into the system to even just understand your own authority because a lot of the, so body cues and, but to understand those body cues and what they're saying to you, um, you do have to go and study all of those deeper signposts. It's not just success and bitterness um, to watch out for. It's not just recognized and not recognized. You have to go so much deeper to really understand that authority. Uh, I would 100% agree. And 
not just these signposts like as a mental projector because the only thing you really have going on consistently is this head of yours and sometimes even communicating that right mm -hmm. so this is someone that is deeply mental that has this cognitive process intellectual process this conceptualization process going on the whole time and then you have mm -hmm. all this openness and it can I mean the not self mind can be immensely loud immensely complex and really mm -hmm. nuanced like really 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 nuanced and so I would even go as far as saying like it's so beneficial for mental projectors to be able to not just look at the not self themes of the centers but go even deeper into rave psychology and look at mental conditioners and look at uh, harmonic influencers and conditioning receptors and really map out Mm -hmm. all the ways that their mind wow. fuck with them truly and I mean obviously this is not something that I would recommend to a mental projector that is just entering their experiment but you know it's mental projectors are deeply conditioned and they're deeply stuck in their mind and it's just painful it's painful it's a painful existence truly unless and until you really like unpack it and unravel it and really see it, you know, like really see yeah. it. And then things sort of start to fall into place. Uh, but I would, I would really say that as a mental projector, you have to study deeply and <laughs> like really, truly, like I don't think that it would be enough for me to just do a basic living your design course or ABC or it's just not enough. I need to know more because it, I'm just always in my head. And if I can't yeah. that, and if I can't see it, for, I can't see what's happening, then it's really difficult. Like, you know, it's just even, even knowing more things helps me like be in the process of soundboarding more because there's just more to like, you know, process. And I don't know, like some, some mental projectors don't, like being asked questions when they're soundboarding I mm. love being asked questions because I feel like it brings a new perspective and then my Arjuna can really get involved into like conceptualizing about that and through that my voice might say something and then I might end up somewhere yeah. different that I wouldn't end up on my own you know yeah so yeah I think it looks different for all mental projectors but from where I'm seeing things I, I really do do think that mental projectors benefit immensely from going deep and specifically really going deep into the not self mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if the the fact that you like questions has to do with having an undefined head. Yeah, for sure. Specifically, it just keeps going. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you have a like a good sense of your authority? at this point like and how long did that take honestly I've always been kind of a talker so it, it wasn't like it wasn't really difficult for me to get on board with the whole soundboarding thing and that I hear myself through talking and especially as a fourth mm -hmm. line like you can imagine I'm just like hitting my friends up and like having hours long yeah. <laughs> very naturally anyway right and so 
but I would say the kind of recognition I have for my own authority now it was it did not exist before it did in fact it is something that I feel like maybe in my third year of deconditioning there is just it's so clear now like I just I cannot I cannot ignore it you know like when my authority is saying something it's just it's just so visceral for me it's even it's be, it's beyond the mind right it's something yeah. I that my body recognizes and now I know yeah. what that frequency feels like sometimes I even like get this like some like goosebumps or like I don't know like truth truth bumps is what I call them it's just it just sits so well you know wow. and even though you've argued for and against it for weeks and days when the clarity hits it doesn't matter what the argument was that's another really beautiful thing like once the clarity lands, it's not about what you said about it or not. It's about whether you're in or you're out. And that just becomes really clear. Yeah. And it's not, it seems like it's not only understanding your mind really well, but you really have to understand your body because you're getting goosebumps. You're getting all these different body signals that you really have to be very attuned to. Because I feel like for me as a sacral and splenic person, I just, if I just pay attention to my sacral, kind of everything else figures itself out. I don't have to, I mean, all of these signals are cue that I, I get other types of signals besides sacral signals all the time. But if I just am really paying attention to the sacral one, I can kind of ignore everything else. Like not really ignore it, but that's the only one that really matters and really makes a difference. Whereas for you as a mental projector, it seems like you have to be so much more in tune with all of the signals, all of them. Um, because all of that is giving you information. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would add something here too. It's, it's, you have to be aware of your mind. You have to be aware of your body and you have to be able to really recognize your environment. Because mm -hmm. that have such a deep, deep impact on your body, you know, on your mind that you can easily get lost in it. So if you don't actually recognize what's happening around me. if I don't recognize the ego beings around me if I don't mm -hmm. recognize the sacred beings around me if I don't recognize the mental inspiration I'm getting then I'm in trouble you know yeah <laughs> in trouble so it's yeah it's really a deep process for for mental projectors but also one that is so like absolutely incredible to be in you know like once you start to recognize things you just realize just how much spaciousness you have to offer as a mental projector and also how much awareness you have to offer and there's just something really beautiful about that uh, I find at least in my experience yeah. like two years of like what the fuck is my design like why do I get to be this like walking talking head like you know I, I wish I had this and I wish this could be that and you know finally slowly as I'm deconditioning and experiencing more of myself it's like wow there's actually some beauty to this you know like this is an incredible incredible design to have of course if you're in the right environment and you know you you're educated because uh, my life before design <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was not fun <laughs> yeah what what so i'm just gonna throw that 
initial question back at you. So when you first found it, what drew you in? Because for me, it was an, an, an immediate, like I could start experimenting right away, you know, sacral authority, wait for things to come to me, see how I feel about the day outside. You know, it, it was it, it was an immediate thing. Um, but I feel like with a with some, well, the mental projectors that I'm thinking of and other, like my boyfriend doesn't have a defined throat. So he just has the top two. Oh, I'm not supposed to, like, what do you do with that? Um, so I feel like, because it's it's so hard for you to know yourself also as a projector and it there's so such little information out there and it's really such an individual process for you to get in touch with that authority and really understand the invitation um yeah i'm just interested what what actually drew you in as well initially before you had the opportunity to go deep wondering what it was i was just i was just captured by it i just don't know exactly what it was I mean, one of the things I remember very clearly was when I kind of witnessed the openness that I have and how that made me like super sensitive and susceptible mm. to uh, taking on, in a sense, the color of my environment. That was something mm -hmm. that I immediately was like, yes, because I was already like spending so much time working on setting boundaries. So I'd already mm. identified in my life that I have an issue with merging with my environment and the people in it and yeah. kind of losing myself in my environment. I already mm -hmm. had recognized that. I was already in therapy for that. I was already like, you know, looking at so many different like spiritual um, systems to kind of find like what's going on. And so I think the openness and the sensitivity and the empathy and all of that stuff was something that immediately was like, yes, this, yeah. is, this explains why I've been so vulnerable. And, you know, um, being in some really, I would say, traumatic relationships previously, like, that was another thing when I kind of realized like how important it is for projectors to be around the right people that truly recognize mm -hmm. them and invite them. I mean, that was immediately also something that totally captured me. I was like, yeah, now I can look back and kind of make sense of why certain relationships were just awful for me because I just mm. felt resentful and bitter. That's another thing, bitterness. Oh boy, did I recognize this? <laughs> like I, I was definitely so well versed. I just didn't put those like words together, like that frequency that I felt inside my body and bitterness together. But as it was presented, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I am so <laughs> bitter. I have been so bitter for most of my life." You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. What? What was it like finding out for you your um, not-self theme of frustration? Did you recognize it? 100% immediately, immediately. And not only just feeling frustrated, but also just looking at the blocks that I had been experiencing in my life. Okay, when I really try to do this and I'm trying to push in this direction, um, for example, like I saw, I, I'd always hated I wasn't very interested in science as a subject, like when I was younger, 
And then I was forcing myself to try to get into medicine because it seemed like a sure thing. It seemed like a clear path. It seemed like there were steps to get there and I'd have some sort of success in some way. And I was pushing in that direction, pushing, pushing, pushing. And it was just no roadblocks, roadblocks, roadblocks. So that kind of frustration was very, um, that, that kind of energetic frustration was immediately apparent. Um, anything that I, I, I can't, I'd always said about myself, I can't force myself to do things I don't want to do. I can't do it. Even if I try, it doesn't work. I can't do it. So that was an immediate recognition as well for me. Yeah. The frustration. Yeah. yeah. And especially with that spleen, you know, the sacred to spleen connection. Like, I mean, not only do you have this recognition of I want to care for this. I want to, I want to put my energy into this, but also mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know, because it's yeah. very loud about, I don't, this is not good for me. Like, yeah. Me a feeling of well-being. You know? Yeah, and it also it also literally will you know the, the the health things that crop up if I'm trying to do these things that I don't want to do are apparent as well. Like my body is unhealthy, and I'm making unhealthy choices if I'm forcing myself in these these frustrating directions. It's, it was very obvious. So for me, the system has been such a uh, body centered thing for me because I do have all that body stuff on the bottom. Um, it's all of that was so immediately resonant and apparent. So I'm always interested, especially with mental projectors and people who have more of the upper stuff going on, just like what draws you in. Because for me, it was so, even being consecutive for me, like I, when I was little, I would not, actually not so little, <laughs> quite a bit older. Like <laughs> I would have like blocks of Parmesan cheese that I just like eat, like just you know, and that's it. That's all I wanted. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you're always just eating ingredients, like all those things that I just, I couldn't have one apple. I would have the entire bushel of apples or whatever mm -hmm. it ended up being. And all those things were immediate recognition. Just all the body things um, were so immediate for me, definitely. And how it felt when I um, didn't have anything to say and was forcing myself to say something to, to your point from earlier. And the motivation, oh my God, all of it, all of it. As soon as I figured out what it meant, after the initial, this looks weird, <laughs> it was immediate, yeah. very sacral, splenic. <laughs> what does your sacral response feel like? Is it, does it, is, does it feel consistent? Like the, can you, is there some consistency in it or like, how do you, what does it feel like for you in your body? Oh, it depends. Yeah. It depends on what, what's being presented. Uh, definitely. So sometimes it can be quieter. Sometimes it can be like a, yeah, like that, like literally like that. Like, yes, I want to do that. Ooh, like that. Um, so yeah, it, it depends on what I'm being presented with, I think, and how much it would open up. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. do, so does the energy kind of show up immediately sometimes? And then sometimes it's just something that builds a little bit over time. Yeah. Or, and what about the sounds? Do you find yourself making those generator sounds or or no? Yeah, more so as I've been deconditioning. Um, definitely the no can be like, ugh, you know, th th those kinds of sounds will come out. I can do like a lot of sighing, a lot of, a lot of squealing, honestly, for me. If I'm really, you know, not feeling self-conscious or anything, uh, there's a lot of squealing, um, which can be embarrassing or it used to be embarrassing, but now it just is what it is. Um, and I welcome it because I know that that's a sacral yes to something. Um, 
yeah yeah okay i'm gonna ask you one last question do you have energy okay. for one last question yeah let's do it okay <laughs> what are you skeptical about <laughs> what is the thing that doesn't sit well with you in design oh um i'm skeptical about well i go through phases of being skeptical of the whole system um definitely but i, th I think i like like what you were saying before, I, th I think it's a healthy thing to do. It's always good to question. Um, and I've always, because there, there are so many different ways to look at the same thing. Like I was watching a cult documentary yesterday and, you know, we're all coming to the same conclusions, no matter what lens we're looking at life through, whether it's a scientific lens, whether it's a human design lens, an astrology lens, um, and any other, a, a sociology lens, any of these studies are studying the same thing. Um, and I think just recognizing that and seeing that all of them are trying to come to a similar place and give us truth and um, a framework with which through which we can live, like um, uh, just remembering that it isn't the only thing and that there are many ways to look at the same thing. And this is the avenue that we've chosen to, to look at life through. Um, but just remembering that that's it's just one way. And um yeah, so I'm always skeptical of it all the time. And it's how I've decided to live my life and what works for me right now. Um, yeah, that's yeah. my answer to that. Yeah. What do you think <laughs> of no choice? What? What do you think of no choice? Uh, I think my perception of no choice is kind of what we talked about earlier. Um, no choices. Okay. For, for me, it's if I go against this and I don't wait to respond and I initiate or I get into desire or whatever it ends up being, if I try to not eat consecutively, I can, I have all the choice in the world to not do that. And I don't have a choice in the fact that it won't work out or that it doesn't work out or that I meet frustration. So I have choice in doing whatever I want but it doesn't seem like I have a choice in whether or not that works out for me. So um, even if I, yeah, so that, that's how I view no choice. How about you? Oh gosh, I have a complicated relationship yeah. <laughs> with no choice because on some level, it's very obvious to me, like you said, that your interaction with the world happens in a certain way. And mm -hmm. it really just doesn't seem like there's any choice in that. It doesn't seem like there's a choice in you being you. It doesn't seem like there's a choice in kind of how people react to you. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like there is really any true choice. Like Alok says it, like you have choice, mm -hmm. not about anything that matters. You know? yeah. <laughs> and I, I, ever since I heard that, I was like, oh my God, like I think that <laughs> explains it in a really simple way. You can make a lot of choices, but like you said, the consequences of that, it, it just, it, and again, I think it's important to not just accept it as a blanket statement that, you know, it's not like life is predestined it's just that you're mm -hmm. genetically it seems human design says that you're genetically predisposed <laughs> in a certain way and you have yeah. no choice in that and from what I've seen 
in my experiment so far in my process so far seems to stand true right mm-hmm. but yeah i'm still i'm still conceptualizing that one i'm still thinking about that one i'm still chewing on that one i'm still that's so interesting yeah. yeah yeah that's so interesting that you say that because for me when i first learned about no choice Maybe it was a sacral response or whatever, but I was like, this is no choice for me. Maybe it's my defined head and ajna, but I was like, this is what it is. And it it hasn't really deviated from that. But I've seen, you know, on Instagram mostly, um, people kind of debating it and figuring out what it is and chewing with it and chewing it over or whatever. Um, throat. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was so, oh, this is what it is. And I, I have such blinders to like any other, because I, I just, I'm like, oh, well, like what honestly is going through my mind right now is like, oh, those people who don't know what it is, they're wrong. This is what it is, which I'm, I recognize in myself. And it's not something that I'm going to try and change in other people. But for me, it's like it was immediately cut and dry, sacral, like this is what it is. And I have not, I, I don't see it in any other way, um, which yeah. is, you know, another thing about design. It's like, oh, wow, this is how I am. And I see how this is, this can be viewed as not a good trait. And this is, this was my reaction to it. And this is how I feel about it. And this is what I think about it. And it's, I, I see it being a very rigid, structured way to look at the world. And I don't have a choice in that. Like, I, I can't force myself to um, be more open-minded and fluid in how I view this, which is wild like oh I, I can watch myself doing this and I can't change it so for me that that space in between is the no choice like I can watch this happening see how it can be perceived but I can't do anything about it yeah yeah that's, that's <laughs> I mean you also have the channel of awareness in the knowing circuit so I mean that yeah. is that it, that frequency lands for you and that's it you just know it in yourself like you know there's there's you don't need to understand it whereas for me yeah in the logic way, yeah it's just like okay but it kind of makes sense logically like it makes sense that you know you're oriented a certain way it's very obvious to me when I when I think of it like that like okay mm-hmm. am I oriented a certain way I grew up with um certain kids right we grew up in similar kind of families we went to the same school we studied the same thing we're all doing something completely different with our lives yeah. different spheres we yeah. were exposed to similar kind of conditioning and so I'm like hi huh, it does seem like we are oriented in a specific way you know and then what we see wherever we end up is also so different I can meet the same friends say we go on a holiday together in the same place right Mm -hmm. what we see there what we experience there you know what we absorb from there completely different right different and what we care about that moving forward in life is also something completely different so when I do think about it you know it does seem like we are oriented differently it does seem like we Mm -hmm things we hear different things we observe different things we're interested in different things we want to share different things and it also seems like you don't have any choice of that it yeah it does seem that way and yet mm-hmm. I don't have a 
like a certainty, you know, like I am certain that we have no choice. I think we don't have choice in at certain, like, you know, like, you know, when these big moments in your life, you know, that, that I was meant to go to law school in a different country and that kind of changed the course of my life in a certain way, like retrospectively looking at that, I can really see that my life has a flow of its own and I have no idea what that flow is. Like yeah. absolutely none at all. And so it seems like these big turning points, no choice, you know, kind mm-hmm. of what you're, what you end up moving towards, no choice. But like everyday little life, <laughs> you know, like I have some agency, you know, yeah. maybe it's just like Ra says, you know, it's all happening in the gray matter before you can even conceptualize it. And then it comes yeah. out and that's, yeah. what you know, I don't have certainty about it right now. And so yeah. I would like to just stay in the process of thinking about no choice, conceptualizing mm-hmm. about no choice and being honest that that's where I'm at because I have noticed mm-hmm. like within myself and like the like earlier parts of when I was really obsessed with human design and like it it was the answer for me that I kind of pretended to have certainty about things that I didn't have certainty about and it's not like I was consciously pretending to do that but that nothing had ever made so much sense to me that I assumed that the rest of it was true as well whereas yeah now I think now that the honeymoon phase is over I'm just kind yeah. of stepping back do what do I have certainty of what do I understand for sure what actually makes sense to me and let me actually yeah. you know share that with honesty because yeah I'm responsible for what I share yeah you are that is also such a difference too because for me a defined head innocence motivation like I, I I don't even question that anymore. Like I I figured out what no choice was and I, I was, okay, this is my view of it. That's it. I don't even question. It's not even a thing that I'm constantly mulling over. It's like, oh, that's done. And I don't, I don't have a responsibility to like for any of that. You know, it's, 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 I completely just, it's not a question that enters my head unless I'm asked it, you know? So it, it's, it, it, I'm so fixed in that. And I see that and um, it's almost like embarrassing for me to admit to this um, because there is such a oh no but shouldn't you as a like a responsible human design person like person who you know shares this information shouldn't you isn't there a responsibility that you should have but then go back to design it's like no I, I'm just here to know what I know and keep it for myself not necessarily share it I do have that undefined throat I'm here to kind of just sit on my mountain and be innocent in it. And if people want to ask, they can ask and I can share what I think about it, but it's not my responsibility. I'm just here to live it. I'm just here to live it maybe even by myself, you know, with, with, uh, unless it's pulled out of me. Um, Whereas for you, it's like, no, undefined head and just being a mental projector, so many things about you, you're here to mull it over guilt motivation. You have a responsibility to the people you're sharing this information with to give them what you know and and to share your process if you don't know um because otherwise you're not doing it right for you so uh yeah, yeah. 
it's and it's very naturally that my process has kind of brought me here. That's also something interesting now yeah. that I'm speaking about no choice. It's like, you know, I really right now don't feel like I have any choice in being responsible. And I also feel like I didn't have any choice in in kind of sharing the way that I shared before or what I shared. Yeah. Because I just mm-hmm. feel like it's all part of the process and unfolding as it's supposed to. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, like I want to be like really, really skeptical of, mm-hmm. of just saying like blanket statements. But at the same time, it just keeps kind of proving itself. It just keeps kind of <laughs> itself and fascinating journey to be on. And honestly, I seriously enjoyed this conversation I'm so happy oh yeah me too that yeah. you said yes and you had a response for it because it was such a refreshing like grounded truly enjoyable conversation so thank you so much yeah. thank you so much and I, I I I love everything that you share and I'm glad that you are in this because um, I feel like the human design community needs you. So um, it's it's wonderful to see all the shares that you do. And I love this podcast and everything. So thank you for having the conversation with me. Yeah. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I honestly, seriously, like sometimes it's just so wonderful. Like, and honestly, you're such an embodiment of your design. I can just, like your frequency just feels really refreshing to me and so grounded. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I knew, like I always resonated with what you shared and I've been following you for a long time. But yeah, it was a lovely, lovely time. So thank you. You too. I'm, yeah, thank you. And I'm so sorry about the internet stuff. So um, yeah, so annoying. It is what it is. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we could continue yeah. it. And yeah. Yeah. Jump back in. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.